0: Uh, I remember back to 1981, and I uh, just graduated from seminary. Trish and I moved to Hastings, Nebraska for my first appointment. I was a, an associate pastor at a church there. So I had been going to school for 20 years, from kindergarten on. And now, graduated, take the position, and I got something that I had never experienced before, called a salary. But it also came with a caveat, and that was called taxes. Uh, I received a paycheck, uh, but because I was a pastor, withholdings were not taken from my check, and that's still true today. It is my responsibility to set money aside and pay my income tax and Social Security as if I were self-employed. That's how it works. Still, that first year, having a salary was pretty nice, (laughs) You know, we were no longer poor students. We could kind of go out to a movie, you know, whenever this whim happened. And, and so, uh, but we also had to set aside money for taxes. Well, the following April, we discovered that we had not set aside nearly enough. And we owed big time. So over the next 12 months, we were poor again. And that's when we learned the basics of, of budgeting. Now, it's not my purpose today to teach you all about budgeting, although I love to teach about it, but I can give you the basics of budgeting in one sentence. Did you, you want to hear it? All right, here it is. The basics of budgeting keep your monthly expenses low enough so that you can set aside money for expenses that don't come due every month. I mean, is that as basic as it gets, right? Keep your monthly expenses low enough so that you can set aside money for medical and dental costs and auto maintenance and repairs and trips and Christmas giving and home items and whatever else may be due not on a monthly basis, which in my case includes quarterly tax payments. And that's why for decades, Trish and I have kept an account, a separate account that we call, and get this, set-aside checking. Is that creative or what? Um, And so one line in our monthly budget is a transfer of money into set-aside checking so it'll be there whenever we have these non-monthly expenses. That's how we do the basics of budgeting. Try to make it as simple as possible. Well, this fall we're talking about the absolute basics of the Christian faith, and budgeting is not one of those basics. Though I do believe that it fits into the big picture Of being a deep, daring, daily disciple. Jesus said that it's impossible to love both God and money, so I want my budget to show that I love God. Doesn't that make sense? And I want a budget that gives us the latitude to respond to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Well, the point is that I'm trying to make is that we cannot go any further than our grasp of the basics. Uh, we never outgrow our need for the basics. That's what Scott Frost said about his team, right? Well, anyway, today I want us to review a few of those basics as they're outlined in uh, Phil Talon's book that I know some of you are reading. So uh, I'll, it'll appear on the screen, and I'll say the question, and then you say the answer with me, okay? Here it goes. What is God like? God is perfect in power, knowledge, and in His holy love. Why is there evil? God gave us free will to obey, and we did not. What is salvation? Through Jesus' sacrificial death and victorious resurrection, we are reconciled to God and rescued from destruction. And today's question is this, what does the Holy Spirit do? What does the Holy Spirit do? Well, first we might ask, well, who is the Holy Spirit? And for that, we're going to watch this video. Now, I will say, in previous Sundays when we've shown these videos, we've not been entirely happy with how the audio is, it's not been quite clear enough for everybody in the room. So we're going to try something different today, and I'm going to narrate the video. Uh, So we'll try that. Here goes. Here goes the absolute basics of the Christian faith who is the Holy Spirit the first Sunday we talked about the Trinity the Trinity is the most important idea in understanding who God is the Father is the source the Son is the way the Spirit is the power we see this role of the Spirit throughout Scripture the Spirit is the breath of life breathed into humans the Spirit is the power when the Son is born of the Virgin Mary The Spirit is the power of the early church to spread the good news of Jesus. The Spirit breathes life into the writers of Scripture so they can teach and guide us. One of the ways Christians describe the role of the Spirit is the giver of life. The Spirit is the power of God to bring life to the world and to us. But as important as the Holy Spirit is, we often forget to think about the Spirit That's because the work of the Spirit is often behind the scenes, so he sometimes goes unnoticed. In this way, the Spirit is a bit like a sound technician at a concert. When we go to a concert, our our focus is toward the front of the stage where the musicians are. Rarely do we turn around and notice the sound tech back there making sure everything sounds perfect. Like a sound tech, the Spirit's work is utterly important, but often invisible. It makes sense, then, that one image used throughout Scripture for the Spirit is air and breath. Air is all around us, but it's invisible. It gives us life every second, but we forget it's there. Take a second and fill your lungs with air and blow it out again. Your experience is probably pleasant. You feel calmer, healthier, and more aware of the life-giving role that air serves. Air is this invisible thing that surrounds us and gives us life. But the Spirit isn't just invisible and around us, sitting stationary. The Spirit also moves and has a will of His own. When air moves, it makes wind. Jesus said, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. If you've ever been out in a strong wind, you know the power that wind has. It can tear houses down or generate electricity. The Spirit's like that, powerful and life-giving. It's the wind that parted the Red Sea when the Israelites fled from Egypt. It's wind that breathes life into the valley of dry bones in Ezekiel's vision. When the Spirit descended upon the disciples, it was preceded by the power of a mighty wind. It makes sense then that Hebrew and Greek both use the same word for wind, breath, and spirit. In Hebrew, that's ruach. In Greek, it's pneuma, invisible, life-giving, powerful. That's the Holy Spirit. (laughs) <laughs> all right, all right, here we go. So, so sometimes I'm asked, um, is, the, is the Holy Spirit kind of like the force in Star Wars? And I would say, well, yeah, there's some correlation. You know how the, how the Jedi lets the Spirit flow through them uh, or the, the force to flow through them. But one big difference, though, is that the, the Holy Spirit does not have a dark side. The Spirit is always holy. Plus, the Holy Spirit, uh, the Bible says, is a person and not an impersonal force. So how does the Holy Spirit come to us? Uh, Shortly before Jesus ascended into heaven, he told his disciples, in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then a few days later it happened. The Holy Spirit came down upon them and they were filled with the presence and power of the Spirit. And then in the days and years to come, it happened to more and more people. And they were baptized with the Holy Spirit. And you know, the Bible uses different language for that, all meaning kind of the same thing uh, for that experience, receiving the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Holy Spirit, having the Spirit poured out upon you, anointed with the Spirit, or becoming the temple of the Holy Spirit. And not only that, but once we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we're also urged to to, uh, stay filled with the Holy Spirit and to stay in sync with the Spirit. So the next question is, when does the Holy Spirit come into a person? And this is kind of an interesting question. Um, Sometimes it's really clear when it happens, and sometimes it's not so clear. For example, uh, you might ask, is a baby filled with the Spirit when they're baptized? Well, I would say no. Uh, Baptism brings God's promise that the Holy Spirit will influence them towards salvation in Jesus. My sense is that the Holy Spirit then is with this infant, but not yet in them. It's like when Jesus told his disciples that the Holy Spirit was with them and would soon be in them. I believe the New Testament teaches us that that we receive the filling, the infilling of the Holy Spirit when we repent and put our faith in Jesus. Uh, And and up until that time, the Holy Spirit's work is is influencing us toward salvation in Jesus. And then when we receive uh, that salvation by faith, that's when we are filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, some of you might say, well, That's fine and good for some people, but, you know, I I don't really have an exact day when I can say, yeah, I put my faith in Jesus on October 20th, 19-whatever. It was a real gradual thing for me, and I said, that doesn't matter. Uh, You are filled with the Holy Spirit, whether your faith in Jesus came gradually or suddenly. And then our main question for today is this, what does the Holy Spirit do? What does the Holy Spirit do? Any of you like to watch those uh, home rehab shows on TV? Like my wife does, yeah? Imagine yourself as a a house. You are a house that is badly in need of repairs. You know, the walls are full of holes and the pipes are leaking and the, the floors are rotting away. And so you hand the keys to Jesus and say, save me do your work in me and that's when the Holy Spirit comes to live inside you to transform you to make you the unique Jesus-like person that you were meant to be so let's open our Bibles to uh, Titus chapter 3 we're gonna start with verse 3 uh, and if you're using a Bible, Bibles there on page 1201 so it's really toward the back of the Bible um, And as I said before, God, you know, the Holy Spirit does not have a dark side. God the Father, Jesus the Son do not have a dark side, but I do. I have a dark side. Uh, I have uh, a bent to sinning. That's how one of the hymns puts it. I have a bent to sinning, and so do you. Here's how the apostle Paul describes it in verse 3. At one time... We, too, were foolish. Anybody here ever done anything foolish? Uh, Disobedient. That is, you know, you you knew it was wrong, but you did it anyway. Deceived and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. Anybody here ever? You've done something, you regretted, but, hey, you just kept on doing it. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. Anybody here ever held on to resentment or anger or bitterness? That's what it's talking about. All those things are in me. And you know, I don't have to look too deeply to find them. And that's why I need saving. Follow with me, starting with verse 4. It says, but when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he's talking about Jesus, he saved us. Not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. You know, I found an interesting drawing uh, the other day. About It showed uh, this big powerful machine, a crane used for lifting heavy heavy girders and other kind of big construction objects. But there was one thing this crane could not lift. Itself. The the, the drawing showed that the arm of this crane was hooked onto the, the body of the machine and try as it might, it could not lift itself. In the same way I Cannot save myself. I need somebody to save me, to lift me from my foolishness and my disobedience and my self-deception, and my envy, and my addictions and my lust and my anger. Only God is able to do that. And God showed up in the person of Jesus to save me. So if you're still got your Bible open, let's, let's pick it up where we left off in the middle of verse 5. Here's where it talks about. Uh, what the Holy Spirit does. He saved us through washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior. So it says that when we are saved, we are washed by the Holy Spirit, and washing by the Spirit is, is a lot like the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Our hearts are cleansed, our desires are, are redirected, and that's how we, we start learning to live lives that are devoted to God. You all know that there, there are two ways to wash your hands, right? There's the, the quick rinse, done. And then there's the time when you get really serious get the soap and you 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 really scrub and you get between the fingers and all those places and you and then you rinse it all real good ha now they're clean we got a nurse here who's nodding her head yeah yes yeah, yeah um so anyway the, the 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 washing of the spirit is i think a lot more like the second one it's a serious cleaning and that's why it's called a rebirth and renewal you know rebirth and renewal means that you receive a new start in life as a new you and when you're filled with the Holy Spirit there is a new presence and power working and operating inside you in the analogy that I used earlier you know where you're the house you put your faith in Jesus you have got a new owner now you're under new management And God sends the Holy Spirit to do the renovations. And what I have found is that the Holy Spirit doesn't just gut the whole thing at once. Instead, the Spirit moves from room to room, from one area of my life and then to another. One room might be my defensiveness and uh, God is saying, okay, we're going to work on that for a while, Steve. Okay. And then the Holy Spirit will make me aware of another room, which uh, might be impulsive spending. One room might be my relationship with a family member. Another room might be unhealthy and unholy things that, that I feed my mind. But the whole, one by one, the Holy Spirit is calling these things to my attention and saying, let's work on those together shall we and at every step I have to give the Holy Spirit permission to make these renovations and sometimes I resist sometimes I wanna hold on to, to part of my life that that needs to be rebuilt but the Spirit gently persistently shows me the price that I pay for hanging on to the old me And how much I lose and how much I'm gonna I would miss if I'm not seeking the new me. Here's, Here's one more question. Will I feel the presence, will I feel the presence and power of the Holy Spirit inside me? And I would say, at times you will. I mean, I've talked to enough of you who have shared with me stories about this, and I've been surprised in, in different settings, you know, how many people have something to share. I believe it. at times you will feel that presence or, or somehow be moved by that or, or spoken to. Uh, but the presence and power of the Holy Spirit are not the same as our feelings, okay? Most of the time, I don't feel the Holy Spirit. And sometimes when other people are saying they're feeling the Holy Spirit, I'm not. That's just the way it is. Tuesday, I got a call from um, the hospital. And uh, I got a call to come to the hospital. And one of the the men in my Friday faith group, John Mertonia, was dying. And he did die while I was there that afternoon. And maybe you got the email that his funeral is tomorrow. Anyway, as I was, I was driving um, uh, to the hospital and I was, I was about to take uh, the on-ramp from L Street on to I-80 and I prayed, Oh Lord, uh, make me sensitive to the Holy Spirit while I'm there. Uh, let, let me follow the Spirit's lead, Lord. <laughs> help me be sensitive to what you're doing and where you're going um, so that I can, I can help them the way you'd want me to help them. And, you know, I didn't get any kind of tingling in my body. There was no sort of glorious light shining in front of me. I didn't hear any inner voice speaking to my heart. I simply, you know, the the, the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit had to be received by faith. Had to be received by faith. And, you know, as as I look on those four hours that I spent there at the hospital, with John and his family you know I look back and I go I just kind of trust that the Holy Spirit was leading the way and there are there are moments I can look back I said you know I think that was a good moment I think that was a spirit-led moment I'm sure I didn't do it perfectly but I believe that the Spirit was leading me and was in that time so what about you Are you seeking to live in the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit? Now, if you have not yet put your faith in Jesus and put your life in his hands, then I would encourage you, call on him today. Say, Lord, save me. I'm handing you the keys, you know. Uh, and, And I believe that you will be saved, that you will be forgiven, that you will be God's forever child, and you will be filled and washed by the Holy Spirit, given new birth and a new start in life. And if you've already been saved by Jesus through faith, then the Holy Spirit dwells in you, and, and, and we have to keep learning uh, how to stay in the flow of the Spirit and, and guided by the Spirit, and, and we learn to, be, uh, to let the Spirit do its renovation work in us. Oh, Lord, you know what a hard time I'm having in this area of my life. Here, do your, do your rental work in me. I really need it. I'm going to keep praying about it and seeking your guidance and strength and, and uh, transform- transforming power. One of our members...